0: When a child is killed in Gaza, it's because somebody made a decision that that this killing was worth it to hit another target. And this is according to five sources that I've spoken with in Israeli intelligence. In all of the target files that, that, that Israel is bombing right now, the amount of civilians that are likely to be killed is is written down. After October 7th, there is a total disregard for Palestinian civilian life, even when hitting targets that are either not uh, uh, distinctly military in nature. And I think that to look at the civilian devastation that is happening right now in Gaza, you have to understand that it's a consequence of a particular Israeli war policy. It is a war policy that has a very loose interpretation of what a military target is, also attacking people in civilian spaces, it is a war policy that centers on deterrence and hitting these power targets that are intended to place uh, civilian pressure on Hamas. And it is a and it is a war policy that is increasingly, increasingly being helped by the use of big data, automation software, and AI. My evidence suggests that. Many, many of the, of the civilians who are being killed in Gaza are being killed as a result of these policies that I do not think are justifiable policies. International law experts would call them war crimes.
1: Hello, comrades. It's episode three hundred three of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy. In the future, it's your it's your premium episode for this week. But I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say right up off the top because we are going to get into some uh, a topic into a very long investigative report that is fucking stunning and shocking to me stunning in its content but also as ed and i were, were yelling about before recording stunning in the fact that nobody else is fucking talking about it um, and everyone needs to be talking about it and so while this is a premium episode largely just because that's how the schedule of our recordings worked out um we are we are going to pretty quickly unlock this one for the free feed because this is something that that you know deserves much wider discussion um, than it's receiving, especially among people who, like us, you know, are constantly crowing about the real material and imminent consequences of AI and its use by people in power, whether that's corporations or governments, militaries, whatever it might be, um, and yet. A lot of people ain't talking about this this uh, this topic that we got for y'all today. Um, and so we need to yeah, we we need to do our part to at least try to bring some some more attention to it. So love let, let's let's let the scene let's set the scene here Ed. Um, so uh, about a week ago as a recording for us, um, 972 magazine, in partnership with Local Call, so Nine Seventy Two Magazine is a left-wing, uh, mag- politics magazine, politics and news magazine based in Tel Aviv, um, and Local Call is a um, a Hebrew language publication. So loc- uh, Nine Seventy Two publishes um, a lot of investigative. Uh, reporting from a left-wing perspective about Israel and Palestine, um, they're based in Tel Aviv. Although they publish a lot of their stuff in English because they want a big international audience to to, to read it. They want to draw attention to it, um, and they've published in partnership with Local Call, which is a Hebrew language-based outlet um, in in Israel. This just long and stunning report. Um, titled A Mass Assassination Factory Inside Israel's Calculated Bombing of Gaza. And then the deck here is Permissive Airstrikes on Non-Military Targets and the Use of an Artificial Intelligence System Have Enabled the Israeli Army to Carry Out Its Deadliest War on Gaza. So this is a really long piece on... The systems, the the technological systems, and the military strategies that are underlying Gaza's um, current and previous uh, military campaigns, the the genocide that they're waging, the mass destruction that they are committing on Gaza, um, the this AI system that that is. You know, really being revealed in this report that we're going to talk about and the military strategy underlying that um, this, this is what is a, a really kind of massive foundational pillar behind um, everything that we see happening in Gaza right now. And, you know, of course, when there's an AI angle, TMK is going to be on the case. But, like, this is not, this, this is striking me as not just a, um, a little bit of AI sauce on, on something else, right? This is really striking me as um, a case where, where Israel and the IDF is really, you know, and proudly putting AI at the front and center of their, um, their strategies, their, uh, their target their, their, their target making, right. They've got this, we'll get into it, but there's like a t- uh, target administrative um, system or whatever it is uh, that, that uh, uh, is really focused on creating in a really mass produced way targets for, You know, these like one ton bombs that Israel is dropping on high rise buildings, on universities, on hospitals, on mosque, um, on open air, you know, flea markets, um, on schools, wherever they can. They this this they are claiming at least that this AI system that we'll get into is what's spitting out all of these targets right is giving them um, as they claim a hundred targets a day more targets than they can keep up with with their bombing campaign um, giving you know out of a, a total database of something like 30 to 40,000 individual targets um, for Israel to uh, airstrike, there's obviously a lot here. We'll get into the details. Um, there's a lot to discuss around the the kind of the politics of this. There's a lot to discuss around um, the technology of this as well, and and what what we should or should not believe in terms of what IDF spokespeople or the IDF chief of staff is saying and claiming versus what might be the actual fact. But there is also a lot to be said about how, at the end of the day. Um, there, there, there is a really clear, you know, AI, whether it's an AI powered or an uh, AI alibi, right, justified by AI, there is a really clear um, kill chain happening here. There's a really clear kill matrix happening here. You know, uh, as we get into this, I think um, astute listeners might recall some of the, uh, the reporting from 10 years ago, you know, in 2013, around the Obama administration's Mm -hmm. secret kill matrix, right? Mm -hmm. Or the disposition matrix, the kill list um, that they had created so
2: crazy they called it the dispossession matrix like it's some fucking <laughs> spin-off of the dispossessed from Ursula le Guin you know <laughs> oh my god but the you know
1: this kill list that the obama administration created to guide their drone strikes right that um and and so astute listeners might find some really obvious connections here from the from ten years ago, with the Obama administration's kill list, or, or I should say, it's the disposition matrix. Um, but it did dispossess a lot of people of their lives. That's for sure. Um, yeah, and then yeah. an upgrade. And then what we're talking about now with this AI system that Israel has um, is very much a uh, in the direct lineage of the the disposition matrix, but is one that you know. Uh, is powered by machine learning, is taking it to another level, um, is handing over a lot more decision-making to an automated system. Um, Whereas if the the kill list, the disposition matrix was a database, um, this AI system that Israel has is very much... Uh, at least in the way that the IDF is talking about it, quite explicitly from both um, current and former soldiers who spoke to 972 and intelligence officials, they are talking about it as an automated system. That, 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 um, that title, Mass Assassination Factory, is not a bit of a stylistic verve um, that the magazine came up with. That is a direct quote from an idf source who called it a mass assassination factory right and so i i think let's get into what this system is what the underlying strategy the military strategy is for this but it's 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 stunning it's shocking and it's it, even to people like me and ed who like our whole job is to not only know about this stuff but but to like Think about it in the most like cynical and pessimistic terms possible, and so it is always uh, a real a real blow um, when we read stuff uh, that is beyond even our our imagination of what's actually going on.
2: You know this article, and we were talking a little bit about this before. This article is sickening on two accounts, right? On the first account, right, is that this makes it. This kind of makes me think about all the death and destruction in a slightly more darker way in that like you know these people are you know, whether or not as you know, because we still need reporting done on what the AI what the actual world artificial intelligence is, but like you like you said off the top, it doesn't really matter whether what the configuration is, right? This is one of the risks of AI um, being promulgated like this, which is that it sanitizes monstrous crimes because data is neutral, right? Because uh, collation via algorithm is neutral, because automation is neutral. These are not political things. These are categories that are outside of human uh cognition. And as thus, um we can refer to them, we can embody them, we can reinforce them because they're not flawed, biased, so on and so forth. So sickening because it probably also reveals an even like greater pathology about the children that are being murdered about the you know the young men and women that are being murdered about the civilians that are being murdered right that uh, in one way or another, not only is there already the racism uh incumbent in Zionism and especially this genocide of Palestinians, but then there's also. Uh, this insistence that might emerge even from people who might not have that or might take pause with that, that, well, you know, the mass murder is reciprocal and neutral, you know, because the data is, is just leading us in that direction. And then on the second count, also sickening the way that we'll talk more about later in the episode, just like, you know, this, the, this is, this is the fucking fire this time, you know, the, and what are people doing? What are people in the AI ethics and the AI risk and the AI safety uh, community saying about this? About a system where whether or not AI is actually in a role of it, a military is proudly saying, we named this thing the gospel. It It's job, find people to kill. What does it do? Help us kill as many people as possible. Seems like the worst possible scenario and the perfect one for all of these industries and cottage factories and all these fuckers to speak up and say anything how many have a handful if that right you can you can guess if you're sitting at home you can probably guess who has said literally anything about this and, and deals with those fields and you'd be almost certainly right on those instances.
0: Oh, I will yeah. say
1: you could guess who would say this and you'd be wrong because a lot of those people have
2: not said oh,
1: anything. That, that is also true. Well. That's
2: another thing to say that there also are some notable, <laughs> some, some notable, notable, notable signs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and so it's like, okay, well what's going on here? You know, because I find it hard to believe it's either they don't know about it or You know, as we have talked about and as other people have talked about, you know, for example, Khadija over at Logic, my editor, you know, has talked about there's just like a moral failure in the core framework about how we think about AI ethics and safety and risk that makes the framework almost useless. Right. Like maybe from an outside in perspective, we can all agree and understand that things should not be developed mindlessly and that there are real Consequences to taking data that's constructed in biased means and racist means from a society that has its own politics and its own social relations and its own economics and its own history and its own culture that things will bleed through and, you know, result in the creation of data sets or result in the deployment of weapons and, and surveillance in ways that discriminate and hurt certain people. But the industries as they actually are. AI safety, AI risk, AI ethics—they're corporate captured, you know. Industries, they're what you know, what are, that are doing what, soaking up all the academic talent and critical thinkers and critics, hoarding all the resources and the access to the data and to the computational infrastructure, right, and and sucking the air out of any real critique. Of how artificial intelligence is talked about, thought about, deployed, and integrated into things, um, that leaves us within a moment where these motherfuckers are building a Death Star, you know, like a literal fucking Death Star aimed at civilians in a place that they occupy and are doing a genocide in. Everybody shuts the fuck up, you know. Is this? It's useless. It's useless. Yeah, I don't. We don't even need. We don't even. Need, what more do we need to say about it? Other than that, if in the moment where there's a literal genocide happening, most of them are silent. It, it's 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 so fucking frustrating, and and it's even more frustrating when you read the piece, right? Because the piece makes it very makes it very clear, whatever the system is, it has massively expanded the capabilities. Right, where in previous operations, they were happy to get maybe hundred targets a year. And now they're generating as many targets as they did in a year inside of a day because what they're doing or what they claim to be doing with this AI system is that they will take, hey, this is um, this is the address of a spokesperson for Hamas. Hey, this is a militant that we know is in this group. Hey, this is like, you know, someone who was spotted at some sort of demonstration or resistance. This is someone we arrested or picked up and saying, okay, this is where they live. This is where they work. Are these places affiliated with a mosque? Probably not. But because this person lives there or works there or has been there, we can blow that shit to shit. Blow it to shit. You know? There's just one really striking um la- the paragraph, quote. Pretty I think like, you know, is is pretty demonstrative both of the danger in this AI system existing. And then also in the fact that like, we can say that and not get caught up on how much of it is AI or not, because at the end of the day, it's an, it's a digital system or a piece of technology that's being used by people who are already looking for a certain problem to be served in a certain way, solved in a certain way. And they have the solution, right? In the way that they deploy it, right? So we have at one point, this guy says, um, you know, that first, I th- let me first, I'll step back and kind of explain one of the insights of the report, right? In case you might not have known, um, you know, and as 972 and local call kind of talk about, there are four categories of targets that are struck by Israeli aircraft. The first are tactical targets, right? and so you know these are supposed to be standard military targets these are armed cells these are places where weapons are being held these are actual weapons themselves rocket launchers anti-tank missile launchers launch pits mortar bombs military headquarters observation posts and so on the second are hardened underground targets the tunnels um that hamas uses as well as the tunnels that span through gaza and underneath gaza's neighborhoods that are part of the um Um, the network that brings in goods, um, since Israel is maintaining a blockade, then, you know, strikes of these targets, um, are not as clear as the first one, because a lot of these tunnels are under civilians, right? Their homes, their actual infrastructure, the, the centers of their life, universities, hospitals, um. You know, you strike that, you're going to kill a massive amount of people, right? Not that that's going to stop them. Um, The third are power targets, as they call them. And these are high rises, residential towers, public buildings, right? These are things that, where you hit them, you're hitting not just a place, you know, not just a neighborhood, not just a place where people work, but like a center. Of a section of the life of the rhythm of a city of a community, right? You're killing the university, you're killing the banks, you're killing the government offices, you're killing hospitals, you're killing you're killing office buildings and commercial areas. You're you're crippling the city essentially, right? Um, and you're crippling the ability of people to do anything other than cower in their homes, which you're gonna bomb anyway, right? And the idea here, as self-admitted by the Israeli intelligence sources, is that if we hit These power targets, we place pressure on uh, Hamas. That Palestinian uh, society will reject Hamas. Sidebar, war crime. (laughs) You know, you can't, you can't uh, bomb, you can't bomb civilians. Collectively punishing them uh, for something that. Uh, this uh, groups, in this case, Hamas is done, right? Not that that, that matters, but that will come back to be uh, relevant later. And then the final category are family homes or operatives homes, right? And so these are homes where, these are targets where you suspect one person in that residence is in Hamas or the Islamic Jihad, right? And you bomb it. So that you might be able to get that one person, even though as other and as we'll talk about other reporting reveals, a lot of the times, the houses that people say are you know uh, that houses that the IDF says were holding one militant or one operative of the Islamic Jihad actually didn't, and in fact they just killed huge amount of civilians, right? And so uh, 972 writes that you know the Israeli army had really been focusing. Um, on the third and fourth categories, this time, in response to October 7th, in, in, in response to um, uh, Hamas's operation on uh, October 7th. And that they, they write, according to statements on October 11th by the IDF spokesperson, during the first five days of fighting, half the targets bombed, 1,329 out of a total 2,687, were deemed power targets. And so here's the quote. One source said, we are asked to look for high-rise buildings with half a floor that can be attributed to Hamas. Sometimes it is a militant group spokesperson office or a point where operatives meet. I understood that the floor is an excuse that allows the army to cause a lot of destruction in Gaza. This is what they told us. If they would tell the whole world that the Islamic Jihad offices on the 10th floor are not important as a target, but that its existence is a justification to bring down the entire high-rise with the aim of pressuring civilian families who live in it in order to put pressure on terrorist organizations, this would itself be seen as terrorism. So they do not say it. Yeah, because that's terrorism. That is literally the textbook definition of terrorism. You know, when we went into the fucking Middle East and the the phase of the invasions, premised on the idea that we have evidence, you know, and this these were one of the. This is when we were still trying to figure out what the war aims were going to be. We have evidence that Osama bin Laden was responsible for nine eleven. Uh, give him over to us and senior leadership who is involved in planning it, and we won't invade. Okay, do you have evidence? Yeah. Will you give us the evidence? No. Okay, then we're not going to hand them over. It was 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 more or less the exchange in the early years, and so we, we invaded, right? Um, whether it doesn't really, you know, there's there are very clear guidelines in international law on what you're supposed to do. Um, you don't have to follow them when you when you have the largest military in the world. Um, an insistence to follow them is deemed as um, unpatriotic, naive, uh, simple-minded apologism for terrorism, when in reality is to present situations like this, right? Where you have um, Israel bombing, flying anything that moves on anything that moves, right? So that they can do what? Clear out Gaza as part of what is the very transparent genocide of Palestinians. So that they can come in and eventually settle the northern and the southern strips of Gaza, right? So what I was saying earlier about what it doesn't, you know, whether or not the role of AI here as it gets fleshed out in future reporting, we see here the thing that we've talked about as an actual risk of artificial intelligence, right? There's a problem. Israel wants justification for killing as many civilians as possible, for clearing out buildings in Gaza, for terrorizing Palestinian society. Solution. Argue that the reason you're doing the thing that you've been planning on doing, that you have actually been doing for the past few decades, is because of a new technology that allows you to collate. Disparate threads of intelligence, and 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 pinpoint with uh, computational sanitation or sanit- you know, a cleanliness cleansliness, um, exactly what parts of Palestinian society you need to press on to make Hamas scream, right? I mean, because that's really what it comes down to. And so it does it whether or not. AI, there's an actual real automated system here, or it's a bunch of people who still have to review um, the system and are still doing the final say on everything, or it's a bunch of people just signing off. Whatever it is, it's very clear what's happening here, which is one of the things we should have be concerned about as an AI risk, which is that people are going to use it to justify some incredibly immoral thing that they're eager to do by saying that, well, you know, the computer is just turning out the numbers, you know? I'm, I'm just in the Chinese box. I'm, I'm just following orders. I'm just translating reality based on what this thing is finding out there, right? And that, again, is just like, it's, it's so insane. This is like one of the earliest parts of the article, right? This is a very, and this, this is one of the earliest and such unambiguous war crime material, AI risk material things, silence. Silence from that sector. Mm
1: -hmm. yeah (laughs) it's it's the silence is deafening uh like like really truly the silence is deafening and you're exactly right here i mean when we get into and we will very shortly like more into habs uh habsora um which is the the name of this system and as you said that translates in hebrew uh, and it translates to english from hebrew as the gospel which i mean that talk talk about a direct link to our our the episode we just released as well <laughs> yeah, about the, about making God <laughs> yeah about making God using AI to make God um and using AI to like you know justify the the techno um, fascism through religiosity right like you, you're gonna uh, you name your mass assassination factory the gospel um as if it's you know. It, you it is the voice of God um, telling you uh where to drop um you know tens of thousands of tons of bombs uh on 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 um, all these quote-unquote power targets it's so unambiguous here it's so unambiguous and like you said it doesn't matter if it's you know, if it's truly some AI, you know, automated system, even though I mean, it is telling, and we'll get to this later as yeah. well, that like IDF people are explicitly saying um, that they don't have the ability to uh yes. like, like closely review all of the outputs from the, the system because there are just so many, but, they, but their whole mandate is quantity. Um, yeah. More targets the better. And so they are explicitly, uh, which is a total reversal of everybody else who is always talking about how no 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 we have careful human review of automated of the outputs from automated systems and here the idea
2: is being like we
1: don't have time to do all that like human review of this shit we we got
2: bombs to drop <laughs> There was some guy who was just talking the other day on Twitter about how artificial intelligence is like the printing press and that it's an inherent good and everybody is made more intelligent by the proliferation of um of uh AI products goods and services and you know when when I'm think when you mentioned and talk about that quantity over quality element I'm like yeah in some ways it is <laughs> like the printing press and that, you know that you know in this specific scenario getting flooded with junk with bullshit with with uh bad data not i, I don't even want to call it bad data cuz that suggests there's good data that the idf could use um but getting flooded with information and then and then using that to just be like well we are going to kill them all anyway so let's just you know now we at least we have nicely tabulated formal categories categories and zones of attack and targets versus like having to ad hoc justify why we did a war crime again
1: Mm -hmm. and and i mean talk about the like the links to the obama kill list as well there's not they are also the idf is explicitly saying they explicitly said we are not being surgical right like they are so I mean, they are just loving to say the loud part, you know, the quiet part loud right now on all of this. But like that is also, I think, really telling here as well, where the disposition matrix and drone warfare was designed to be um, sanitized through its surgicalness. Right. It was supposed to be. Precise, surgical. We have a kill list of individual targets. We have drones that are um, dropping smart missiles on people. Right? It's it's all surgical. It's all precise. It's sanitized. And here, what we have is um, an AI system, Habspera, which is cranking out more targets than IDF intelligence can 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 keep up with. Um, and they are just and and those targets are leading they are the justification whether the the it ultimately it doesn't really matter if the ai is uh leading you to the, the power targets or the AI is the justification for bombing power targets. You already want to pow- uh, bomb, right? At the end of the day, it's the same output. Where the where the the IDF is is claiming that the AI is leading them through this like you know network analysis to these targets, and then all they do is if a, if a target is spit out then they then they bomb it right target spit out they bomb it target spit out they bomb it um and you know it, it it does seem to be a really nice coincidence for the idf that all so many of the targets that are being spit out by uh by Habsura, um hapsora are targets that they are Like their military strategy is focused on right, as you said um, from the nine seventy two reporting power targets. So those the sky, the high rise buildings, the universities, the hospitals, the infrastructure, um, the the shock. It's not even shock and awe; it's shock and massacre. Because Mm -hmm. also the fourth target, right, that you mentioned, right, is the the family home. So you know, Habsara is pointing them to. Power targets and family homes, which is why we are, it, it explains why if you are paying attention to what's happening in Gaza, the reporting is constantly talking about, well, Gaza has no more universities, you know, Gaza has no more hospitals. Oh, here's yet another person who has had more than 30 of their family members killed, um, by Israel, right? Like, you know, they, um, the reporting here as well around some of those numbers are mind-boggling. It really puts a, a material human cons- cost on these systems and strategies, right? And, we, and, and for the idea for Israel, the technological sy- system and the military strategy are intimately linked together. Right. They are not able to be disentangled. They are serving each other. It's not a one, it's not a, a unidirectional causal flow where, you know, the technology leads to the strategy or the strategy leads. It's a, it's bi directional. It's a relationship. They are mutually reinforcing each other. Um, and we can see this in the material human cost um, uh, that, that is being reported. I mean, you know, we're recording this. You know, it's uh, December 6th. i I'll just put a time date on it, right? Because this is all moving so fast. Um, but you know, and and so this is two months after uh, after October seventh, after everything started. The report that we were that we're seeing, um, and that nine seven and two uh, reports on you know some from some of the 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 death toll numbers even just from a month into the uh, the war the massacre the genocide you know there's numbers from november 11th talking about that even by that time even a month into it um there were over 300 people who had more than 10 family members killed right like and and then there were many you know then there were uh you know hundreds of people who had Seven to nine family members killed, hundreds more that had, you know, you know, five family. members. You know, it's it, there is a it, it, the, the death tolls here are only able to be comprehended, I think, um, as incomprehensible as they are um, by understanding it as an outcome of target of the of of. of bombing power targets and family homes it is a it is a military strategy bolstered by powered by justified by sanitized by a technological system that is designed to not just cause mass destruction but cause but wipe out entire family lineages this is clean, this is ethnic cleansing this is the not you know. This is Nakba, right? Like, um, like we have to understand that sanitizing nature of the technology is also a cleansing. It's an ethnic cleansing that we see here, right? Uh, a cleansing uh, of of by wiping away whole lineages of 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 families of Palestinian families. You can even hear
2: it, like when they talk about, you know. Uh For example, like they talk about bombing entire neighborhoods, how then, like you said, how they're not surgical. And when pressed about it, they're just like, well, you know, and they've always been, and the IDF has always been consistent on this, right? Neighborhoods are uh, just Hamas recruiting grounds, right? They're terror nests, Um, they're operational headquarters. Civilians are operational assets residents inside of these buildings are assets that might be used by the terrorist buildings. Like no one's a person. Everyone's a potential terrorist or, um, or a subhuman that's waiting to be purged. And now we have this technic technology, technological uh, implementation that just so happens to agree with us. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I want to get into the, the technology a bit more too. Um, but before, you know, I'll I'll do that right now. But very, but before I do, you know, I mentioned the kill, the Obama kill list. The way this technology works and the way it's being used also really strikes me as being extremely similar to um, a Palantir, right? The network analysis of that Palantir has created, which was as you know we should always remember and always mention um you know palantir was created uh with funding from the uh the cia's venture capital um arm and it was created originally despite its widespread use now in public health uh in finance and policing and um mineral extraction you know despite all of that It was originally created for the War on Terror. It was created as a tool for the CIA. It was created as a tool for the Pentagon. It was created to do this kind of network analysis, as they call it, to find uh, terror cells, right? And how do they do that? Well, the whole idea is that they were going to um, create networks of associations um, with people, right? You create a network of uh, all of the, the the people associated with somebody, all of the dr- addresses associated with them, the locations, the vehicles, um, the you know everything that you possibly can, every object. Or, or a relationship that you can associate with somebody, you map that into this big giant network, and the idea is that through that you are able to map these terror cells, right? You're able to see how, um, oh, these people have a uh, have a, a vehicle um, in common with each other. We've, you know, we've got data that at independent times they have, you know, these. Three people have in, have used this same vehicle. Okay, maybe that's a, a an Al Qaeda vehicle, or you know, like that was the whole idea of Palantir is to create this network analysis specifically to map out these these terror cells, to map out their associations with addresses, with vehicles, with families, with uh, you know, friends, with whoever, with whatever, with wherever, and then as a way to then create targets to to you know to and to do an, an enhanced interrogation of to uh, to to um, assassinate right whatever it is that you're doing right like all of those hor- the, the terrible things that is also uh, you know it sounds to me like the way hapsura works is very very similar to that kind of network analysis right i think it's also important to to keep in mind like all of these technological lineages that we see here that what well, as, as absolutely fucking terrifying, horrendous and shocking as this is, it is also not unprecedented. Um, it is very much in a, which means it's not unpredictable either or unpredicted. Um, it is in a long precedent and lineage of how these technologies are designed, how they're created, and what they are used for. So let's, let's talk a little bit about um, 972's reporting on Hapsera so that we can understand as well, like, you know, we, we talked about the kind of the military strategy here of focusing on power targets and family homes. Let's talk about the technological system that is powering that and justifying that, right? Uh, I'm, I'm actually just going to quote some from 972 because I think they really clearly um, lay it out. And I, I don't want to, to mince their careful wording here. According to intelligence sources, Hapsara, which remember uh, as a side note, remember, this translates as the gospel. Um, so always keep that in mind too. According to intelligence sources, Hapsara generates, among other things, automatic recommendations for attacking private residences where people suspected of being Hamas or Islamic jihad operatives live. Israel then carries out large-scale assassination operations through the heavy shelling of these residential homes. Side note, as well, this is not our like common imagination of assassination. I, I think we so we now think of assassination as like um, as Assassin's Creed or as like Hitman or as Navy SEALs or James Bond or so. You know, as this thing that happens kind of in secret and and, and with surgical precision. No. For Israel assassination means heavy shelling of residential homes, right? It is literally shooting a plane a passenger plane out of the sky because not because there's a Hamas operative on the plane, but because a Hamas operative once sat on a seat in the plane. That is what's ha- that is what's happening here, right? So, I'll go on. Hapsura explained one of the sources, Hapsara, as one of the sources explained, processes enormous amounts of data that, quote, tens of thousands of intelligence officers could not process, and recommends bombing sites in real time. Because most senior Hamas officials head into underground tunnels with the start of any military operation, the sources say, the use of a system like Hapsura makes it possible to locate and attack the homes of relatively junior operatives. One former intelligence officer explained that the Hapsara system enables the army to run a quote-unquote mass assassination factory, in which the, quote, emphasis is on quantity and not on quality. A human eye will go over the targets before each attack, but it need not spend a lot of time on them, said the former intelligence officer. Since Israel estimates that there are approximately 30,000 Hamas members in Gaza and they are all marked for death, the number of potential targets is enormous. In 2019, the Israeli army created a new center aimed at using AI to accelerate target generation. As the former IDF chief of staff said in an in-depth interview with Ynet earlier this year, quote, the target's administrative division is a unit that includes hundreds of officers and soldiers and is based on AI capabilities. The IDF Chief of Staff went on to say, quote, this is a machine that with the help of AI processes a lot of data better and faster than any human and translates it into targets for attack The result was that in Operation Guardian of the Walls in 2021, from the moment this machine was activated, it generated 100 new targets every day. You see, in the past, there was times in Gaza when we would create 50 targets per year. And here, the machine produced 100 targets in one day. We prepare the targets automatically and work according to a checklist, one of the sources who worked in the new targets administrative division told 972 and local call. Quote, it really is like a factory. We work quickly and there is no time to delve deep into the target. The view is that we are judged according to how many targets we manage to generate. So, I mean, that's that's Hapsurah in a nutshell. That's the gospel in a nutshell. It is about maximize. It is a calling in the mass assassination factory is absolutely actually the most apt description you have because it is truly about mass production. It is Fordism for genocide, right? It is about maximizing the quantity of target generation and then responding to those targets in an automated way of, you know, as I said before, target generated bomb dropped, target generated bomb dropped, and you just, and the whole job is to keep up with the factory line, spitting out targets, no review, no oversight for quality, no concerns about the morality or legality of it, right? But instead, the AI provides justification. You know the AI is giving you targets of Hamas operatives. It's not our fault that they use human shields. Um, you know whether it be the you know their own families or hospitals or schools or mosques. You know it's not our fault, but we got to kill the Hamas operative. You know, and so if we have to, uh, you know, hey, we're not the one holding the human shield, right? Um, but we are blowing it apart like that. I mean that it, it is. It, this is what's happening here, right? I, I think you know they go back as well to some of the the real the deafening silence of the fact that people are like, why are the people that we uh, that we follow, the people that are in our our, our 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 networks, the people we know, who are like always con- who are so concerned about the ethics and politics and and impacts of AI. Why is this not the thing everyone is screaming their head off about right now or at least linking to the article right I've not even seen people link to the article uh, uh, you know like why it doesn't make sense to me especially when you know if you consider how how much attention it receives how loudly people crow when and rightfully so. Whenever there's a similar kind of automated system that is um, targeting people for welfare fraud, right? And like as we've seen and as we see in recent reporting in France, as we talked about with the Dutch algorithm, as we've talked about with uh, Australia, as we talked about in the U.S., right? Like as we've talked about in the U.K., right? These systems exist all over the place, right? These these AI systems or automated systems that target people um, with risk scores, label them as welfare frauds uh, and, you know, and and then deny them their welfare benefits, trap them in these labyrinthian bureaucratic systems, um, deprive them of the resources and aid that they not only need, but are deserved, that are due, right, that they deserve. Any time that happens... There is so much attention to it, right? There is so much uh, writing about it, um, you know, yelling about it, and rightfully so, it's truly awful. And yet, when we see a system that is doing much the same, but not to deprive you of welfare benefits, but to deprive you of your life, to deprive you of your entire family, to deprive you of your communities, to deprive you of your land, to deprive you of everything that you have um, and everything that you will ever have. Um, when we see some a system doing that, a lot of people just are suddenly clamped up. You know, are they too shocked to talk? Uh, you know, why is it that it seems to be more morally reprehensible to deprive someone, to deprive a Palestinian of their welfare benefits than it is to deprive them of their life and their whole family? Why? I don't understand. Is, mm-hmm. there, is there, is, is, are, have we reached a limit? Of politics, where we we it is so horrendous that we can't even speak of it. Have we reached the limits of of morality and legality where actually this is justified? That the people deserve it. That hey, I can see both sides of the issue, and it's a you know it's a a land of contrast. None of that holds water for me. I don't understand.
2: I mean, it's cowardice, right? I mean, it's cowardice. You know, I want to you know, Katija you know, wrote a long time about this on um, in an article that I think got a lot of people to pay attention um, to, it was called On the Moral Collapse of AI Ethics, right? And it was like talking about how, you know, a lot of people are focusing on the firing of Timnake uh, Gebru and, um, you know, the firing shows that Google is fucked, right? But that there are also... Other questions and debates and discussions we should have, like the fact that AI ethics is a fundamentally limited thing, especially if, if we're talking about AI ethics in Google. You know, we've already lost the plot if we think like that a firing at Google is the problem. Because the problem is ev- it's even larger than uh, the fact that the AI ethics industry, or the, it's even larger than the fact that Google has a sp- specific Engagement with the AI ethics community, right? It's, it it scales up to the fact that even our ideas about what AI ethics looks like are just nonsense, right? Because they don't they don't begin with a fundamentally antagonistic relationship or engagement towards how capitalism, um, and specifically racial capitalism, um, has has created and spurred along the development of deeply. Discriminatory and exploitative um, and extractive technologies. You know, we talk about all the time. Most of the technology we have in this world that people crow about is just an exotic way to surveil on another person or to kill another person. That's most of the shit. That's most of the shit that everyone is excited about all the fucking time, right? And so when we are over here talking about AI ethics, a lot of the time it's like, well, how do we make a more humane way of killing other human beings? Or how do we make a more humane way of surveilling other people, right? Fundamentally. And to lose sight of that is to have lost the plot. And most people in that field or industry in one way or another, you know, have lost the plot, which is not to say there, you know, a lot of people I know and respect who may are in these fields, right? But the ones I re- whose work I really love and look to and read and think about are also grappling with the fact that there are fundamental limits here, right? And that the real problem is how do we get the how do we get out of it? What's the off ramp? You know, how do you get out of this stupid fucking discussion where the question is, uh, do we do a one-year moratorium on Apple's facial recognition software inside of its ring surveillance cameras um, that it gives to police departments for free or a two-year moratorium? Instead of, why the fuck is a delivery company giving surveillance cameras to police departments and giving them facial recognition software when it's misidentifying... Uh, you know, black and brown people at a ridiculous rate. Why is that? Why? Huh? What's going on there? Well, you know, good, you know, good luck really having a great uh, discussion with that. And even, you know, as, as, um, as Khadija points out, right? You know, even th- even the engagement that we do get with that in the form of surveillance capitalism falls short. You know, it, it's still it, it, it the, the idea of surveillance as a, as a, as a service is still fundamentally blunted. when she writes that, you know, the larger point is even our language is failing us because we're too often fighting to save a democracy that modernity has foreclosed. We need a radical reframing away from the lone researcher against Goliath to reckon with the failures of fairness, accountability. Transparency and broader ethics frameworks that have allowed opportunists to build their brand, taking up space required to address the core issues of big tax hegemonic violence, as described in Timnit's paper. And 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 so you know, you know, I'll also quote at length, right? Because I think that you know, I really encourage you to check out the the writings from a few years ago, but it's still poignant. I think about it, think about it especially with this piece. You know, she writes, you know, if you were shocked by the firing. Of Timnit, you haven't been paying attention. We need to fucking take responsibility for the present because while you're mobilized debating whether if you're the one who should mention the corporate diversity, equity, and inclusion lexicon inherently decoupled from political economic analysis is half the problem. Um, The most opportunist and or mediocre are defining the discourse on a global stage. We're ruminating about Jeff Dean's feelings instead of building a cross-class labor movement that defines tech workers broadly, i.e. researchers, engineers, Uber drivers, Amazon warehouse workers, content moderators, etc. We should cry out not because Timnit is a brilliant scientist who shaped her field, but because her firing is a symptom of a broken society we've constructed. She isn't fucked. We're all fucked. The academics and computer scientists claiming they will no longer volunteer their free labor when it comes time to reviewing a Google academic submissions should be commended. However, they should ask themselves, what is it about the high-minded ideals of unimpeded academic freedom that were so divorced from the praxis that research was enabling, saying that phrenology was conducted rigorously is insufficient. At issue isn't Google or language models or D- Jeff Dean. Rather, it is a field that has sold itself to industries that are killing people. And that is the crux of the thing, right? I mean, that's where it comes down home to. Israel is a perfect rep- kind of a, either a representation or a mirror in our own tech industry, right? Because our tech industry, well, I'll focus on, I'll start with Israel first, right? We, as we had Anthony, Anthony Lowenstein come on to talk about the Palestine laboratory. One of the indispensable roles that Israel plays in the world is that it battle tests um, surveillance tech and murder tech on Palestinians and then exports it to author- uh, autocratic regimes around the world to suppress minority populations. And as the climate begins to get worse, on climate refugees, right? Um, silence on that, and all, as well as a refusal to acknowledge that Axis. Of oppression that's going on, right? Um, is a lot of things, but we should also understand fundamentally is moral cowardice, right? And part of that is also because the same fucking thing happens here, right? The largest sources of legitimacy in the tech industries and in various fields attached to the tech industry come from how close people are to the money that's being generated from selling yourself in, to an industry that kills people right you know are you helping uh you know like how much money are you going to be making if you're helping uh, train these drones right or do the network analysis that helps with this targeted assassination right or help militarize this or that technology and application in the field right or how much are you going to be able you know what kind of innovations to surveillance as a service can you offer both in terms of the advertising model and also in terms of also just surveillance as a product that will allow you to tap into other aspects of people's daily lives. We can, we can talk about the surveillance products that Amazon rolls out without dipping into the surveillance, the limited surveillance capitalism thing, right? Because we can talk about the fact that, again, you know, the ring cameras, I mean, what is a ring camera, right? A ring camera is not simply like a little surveillance camera, that is offered as a product divorced of from reality you get to buy right ring camera is a pretty smart move that ends up playing roles intentional and growing to feel unintentional ones with a little nudging when you have a ring camera you're part of a process where this company gives them to other people uh departments for free and kind of gins them up in marketing as look you live in an unsafe place uh you should have um surveillance so that you can protect your property, you know, you can protect your packages, you can protect your family. Ignoring that, you know, for example, a lot of the people who get them are in places that are already relatively safe. And also that a lot of people who use them are using them to, to, to surveil packages that if you lose them, Amazon refunds you and you can get them again, no questions asked. You could get the thing take it into your home, say you never got it, and they give it to you, no questions asked. But besides the point on that, also you're getting then ingratiated into this network where the idea is we should all be encouraged in one way or another to sign on to these forms of surveillance as they help out Amazon. Sometimes that means disciplining or... Uh, um, you know surveilling um, workers delivery workers who are already overworked and, and um, underpaid and overexploited uh, but then Amazon has created a byzantine legal structure to keep hands distance at so maybe it doesn't have as much control as it might want but has more control than it should well you know the surveillance camera has now allowed you know people on in the inside of their homes with the ring cameras. Uh, to act as like an, another boss that they have to deal with while they're still being kept away from Amazon as not being an actual employee of Amazon. Um, and so the Ring camera ends up in growing and uh, growing and expanding because uh, Ring is going here and saying, look, you know, we have a, Amazon is going here and saying, we have a piece of technology and the thing that we're interested in doing is growing it out one, you know, as surveillance products so that we can fill our other needs inside of the ecosystem and two because we, you know, we're interested in exploring, you know, uh, whether we can plug it into other goods and services whether we can garner insights from there that will get us into, you know, maybe creating more network devices in your home or maybe in figuring out if we can, you know try to push on to larger and larger groups of people, larger and larger, smaller and smaller and more niche products, right? And, you know, you see that the technology quickly grows and expands until it becomes an all-consuming it becomes plugged into part of this like you know ever-consuming expansionary goal, right? So we can we can note all that and then also talk about the racial elements that come with racial capitalism and talk about Well, a lot of the times the surveillance technology is used to racist ends. It's biased against black and brown faces. And even if you correct the bias, it's still going to be used by institutions, by the police departments, right, as an example, by welfare agencies, as we've talked about in previous episodes, um, to discriminate against people, right? Because in the real world, even outside of the corrected data, if you made it neutral somehow, you still have a racist um politics at the end of the day, right? The idea that you can just create a piece of tech. And and debate about the rules that are inscribed on it inside of this narrow application ignoring the actual society in which it's being deployed in and the people who are deploying it is stupid. And there's also cowardice and it's coming usually from people who are compensated well enough to ignore that, right? As it is in the United States, as it is in Israel, right? Because if you were in Israel and someone was like, oh, you know, like what's going on with all the things that we're testing out on, you know, if we're on, on, on our Palestinians, you know, it would, it would, you would, we would find it a little stupid if people were debating about how high the apartheid border fences should be, right? Or what kind of cameras should be put on them, or that the cameras should have algorithmic Facial recognition services or not, or whether, you know, uh, or, what, or, or what types of, you know, labor regimes uh, settlers should be subjecting Palestinians to, what type of schedules of work they should be subjected to. All of this would be qu- considered quibbling and over like a fundamentally immoral thing. And yet, or I would hope so, because, you know, some people don't actually even think that there's anything wrong going on with the apartheid system. But nonetheless, right? When we look here, and then when some people look out there, they don't see anything wrong. There's nothing wrong to them, and it's when it, whenever that you come across that as a case, it's usually because of moral cowardice, right? It's because people who really think that when we say the word AI ethics, AI safety, AI risk, in their heads, they're talking about the sci-fi shit. They're talking about God like going in a mech and killing everybody. They're talking about Skynet. They're not talking about like here and now, you know, where there's a fucking genocide going on, right? Or where there's an apartheid going on, where there's a welfare system go- uh, going on, right? And it's um, it's ins- It's a bit insane, you know? It's a bit insane, right? It speaks to uh, such a deep moral collapse and rot that, you know, the nicest thing you can say about such an industry is that it's useless. That's useless. Because how do you have, you know you have that many you have that much access to capital you you're, you you're soaked by that m- many corporations right you're isolated and given enough access to academic resources and time and space to develop them intellectually or co- or synthesize them into some framework and the best that we come up with a lot of the times from these ethics safety and risks people is checking the boxes on diversity Right, it's it's, it. it, I don't know. It's 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 just like a massive. It's just a fundamental failure. It's it's disgusting.
1: It is. And I mean, I think Khadija is also dead on here as well, where, you know, where she says in her essay, right? Quote, if the room taken up with building individual brands lent itself to researching with those most impacted, um, developing tactical initiatives like a social justice war room, we'd be in a very different place. I mean, I think that's also a big part of it too, right? Like a lot of this is unfortunately about building up your brand as like, the, like the more the more ethical person in the room you know and it's not to say that people don't care about this stuff like i'm not saying that i don't think people are cynical who you know and and, and they don't actually care beyond like seeing it as a as an opportunity to build a brand but there but we are reaching some limits here where people have decided the 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 trade-off of uh, of speaking versus not speaking you know no oh, it's kind of you know and that's I can not I can't, I can't take that trade off, you know, because it, it might irreparably, uh, you know, irreparably uh, damage my brand. Uh, you know, it, it might, it might damage my ability to do more good in the future, right? We got to think effectively about these altruistic actions, Ed, you know, like what's the most, you know, what, what's the most good I can do as an activist in the future? It's add on, like, it, it is—it's cowardice, you know. Like it's—it's—it's it's, it's a cowardice. I think it is also uh, based in a ironic fetishism of the technology itself, you know. Like that, while while they, you know, we might bang on a, a, about those people who fetishize the technology because they think it's going to make God. It is God. It's going to end the world. It's going to bring utopia. You know, they fetishize the technology and say. Tiss 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 don't fetishize the technology um at the end of the day as well like i they they fetishize the technology you know they 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 can cons- they're concerned about the ethics or morality or politics or responsibility of ai you know hey we gotta make that a- hey we gotta make it ethical we gotta make the technology responsible when What we've been, our whole analysis forever has always been a materialist one, which is focused on not the technology itself, but what the technology, like the systems uh, that, that the technology emerges out of, plugs into, plays a role in, you know, is it, you know, we talk about the technology because we want to talk about capital. You know, we talk about the technology because we want to talk about fascism. We talk about the technology because we want to talk about genocide. Those are the things we're actually talking about. We're talking about the ways that the that the technology gets enrolled into perpetuating, intensifying, justifying, covering up those other things that actually matter in the world. You know, but I guess I guess when the when the genocide is too out in your face it's hard to talk about the AI, huh?
0: You mm-hmm. know?
1: like it's too much for me. I mean, this is, this, this has been, you know, th- this story has like, it hits so close to, to to us as well because it is a it is talking about how these systems are being used and ultimately it doesn't matter as we've talked about if the ai system is actually being used as an artificial intelligence to automate this or if it's being used as a really um you know uh, you know a, a movie prop that uh, you know to justify actions that they, that uh, the idf already wants to take yeah, like it doesn't matter because the material consequences at the end of the day are the same. And part of those material consequences are getting a lot of people to not talk about it, right? To not pay attention to it. It's not just justifying the action. It's not just directing the action. Uh, it is also getting a lot of people to not pay attention to the action as well in whatever reason. If anything, this kind of, a story like this about Hapsara, right? about the gospel. If anything this should be a clarion call for all those mm-hmm. people who are like so like hey, hey Israel Palestine conflict that's not my job description. I study technology. Well, here you go. Here's a technology yeah. to study. <laughs> Pay attention to, right? Like Ooh. anything it should be bringing people into the fold to be like, "Okay, fuck. All right, well, I study technology." And this, okay, now like this, Okay, I gotta pay attention. This this matters, you know. But it, it's done the opposite.
2: There's this line he has. It's in his uh, the taming of tech criticism piece, which you know every year that passes by, um, his uh really condemnation and disgust in like a very dry laconian way that reminds me of Chomsky's on disgust with public intellectuals feels more and more. Right, right. When he says that disconnected from actual political struggles and social criticism, technology criticism is just an elaborate but affirmative footnote to the status quo. And, you know, in more than one way, I think that has been the case, right? Because one of the things that I think has dominated, and and it's hard to even figure out. Well, it's not hard. I mean, it's easy to talk about, but it's also like... I think conservatives and right-wingers are pretty cynical in which it's easy when you start talking about DEI, for example, and the ways in which a lot of people have kind of slotted that or assumed that to be a social criticism, um, uh, when in reality, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what color, you know, the faces at the table are at the end of the day, right? If the fundamental system. Well, take whoever's at the table and plug them into a system that still exploits everyone else who looks a certain way outside of the table, right? You know, you can have in AI ethics this call for, um, for example, for the open AI board to be half men and half women, to have POC on it. What the fuck will that, you know, what would that actually do, though, if we were being tech critics about what open AI's designs and plans for artificial intelligence are, right? What would that do to change Sam Altman's attempt to create uh, an, a firm that has AI hardware that every firm has to then rely on if they're interested in developing software? And similarly, what would that mean or do for criticisms of Israel's apartheid state and genocide? I mean, you know, they let everyone serve in their military. You know, does that change the degree to which they do war crimes? No. You know, would... Um, Would would the AI ethics lens and focusing on this sort of diversity and inclusion have any real possibility of impact? Would Elbit systems be more humane in the weapons that it uses against Palestinians if it had some Palestinians on the board? You know, like these seem a bit silly and maybe unfair examples to use, but that like is one of the places or one of the only places you end up going if you, for example, focusing on that DI element, right? If you if you expand it a little bit more broadly and quibble about um you know what's going on as you said a lot of people insist well you know like it's a complicated issue that's political i'm not really concerned about that i'm just concerned about making sure there's some sort of equity and outcome right but you know how are you going to achieve that if there's not an actual political vision and struggle i mean part of the reason why silicon valley has been so ascendant is because nobody seems to have another fucking vision right um, for what to actually do with technology in our daily lives, and how to integrate and organize our societies around it or not around it, right? Where should technology should be plugged in, and where should it shouldn't be? What types of weapons? What types of artificial intelligences? What types of systems are we going to put a hard lock on, and what types of systems will we ensure that other people can't bypass? So that when we have that hard lock on, what types of capital flows are we going to prohibit? What types of business activity are we going to prohibit? Right? None of these things really bubble up, except in, of course, you know, relatively radical segments, um, largely academics, right? And activists who are able to articulate these visions, but will have them ignored by the mainstream, right? Which is largely concerned with like, just build it perpetually until there's a problem. And then when there's a problem, let the people who cause the problem write the rules about how the problem should be handled, you know? Um, And I worry, my greatest fucking worry with this is that one, either people in that industry will see it and Shrug, right? Or will use it to do the brand building, right? That Khadija kind of talked about, where they say, whoa, whoa, you know, this is horrible. Not much we can do about it, but, you know, if we listen to my 10 steps, then we'd be able to prevent that happening in the United States. When the thing is, <laughs> you know, it's happening somewhere right now, you know? What, if anything, can we do about that? I will not, I'm not going to pretend like I would even begin to really know, but the people who do insist they know and who pretend to know and who create their whole identities and brands around this have been silent and left us without anything.
1: Yeah. And it is always that, that, the exact what you just said there as well of like, you know, if we do these 10 steps then we can prevent this happening in the U.S., right? Like there is so often there is this like whether it's explicitly or it's just kind of beneath the surface, there is this kind of idea of like, man, it'd be wild if that happened to us, you know, (laughs) like like, I'm I'm glad I can do some remote criticism here. You know, I can I can uh, take up my telescope and look abroad. Uh, into other into exotic places or foreign time periods and be like man it'd be wild if this happened huh but it is already <laughs> happening <laughs> like there is so much of that that is the like it doesn't matter until you co- buy my
2: mixtape uh, yeah. you know? <laughs> but there's <is laughs> so can...
1: much of that like uh, of, of that that like moral immediacy as well, where it doesn't matter unless it's happening to you, or it doesn't matter unless you can conceive of it happening to you. I mean, it's something we've talked about a ton before around like all of the AI doomerism stuff, and you know the you know Sam Altman, Elon Musk, whoever, you know, all the, whatever, whatever, right? The the whole idea they have to create like an evil AI god that's going to exterminate the world is because they are in such power like powerful and privileged positions that it's like literally the only threat they can conceive of to themselves is a, uh, is a, is a, uh, an evil AI God who destroys everything in the world, not just them, right They're everything in the world. And, you know, I, I think you see it a lot in the way that people do talk about like AI ethics or the politics of AI or them or the consequences of AI is, you know, so often it is about like you know the bad, hey, bad stuff hap- could happen to other people, or, or or rather, what if the bad stuff happened to me? You know, um, and and I, I think it is, you know, this might be a good place to to wrap it up, but I think it's also really telling as well, where you have a system like Hapsura, or Hapsara, which is its whole. Um, it, it, it's, you know, its whole design is to generate Hamas targets for assassination, right? And And it has apparently an extremely broad definition of who is classified as a Hamas operative or a a, a relationship uh, uh, to Hamas. You know, it's like we were talking about before, where it's like, you know, as long as you can justify that there's like, you know, half of a floor of a 10 story building was at one point related to Hamas. Well, then you can take down the whole building. I think a lot of people might be in for a real rude awakening too. that, like, you know um their their idea that that this activism is um that you know that they are doing a good thing because they are caring about other like foreign people you know but except when they reach the limits of 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 care for for foreign people um or other time periods or other places or whatever it is that like you know they can imagine they can't imagine that this stuff might come for them one day and so that kind of limits their ability to uh to to speak out about it, to rally against it, to to uh, to draw attention to to its uh you know horrendous uh and and atrocious actuality right like they can't imagine it might come for them one day hey I'm not I'm not in Hamas, I'm not a terrorist, I'm not a Palestinian, I'm not a climate refugee, you know, I'm not I'm not any of these things. Um, I don't have to worry about that as much, you know? Uh, but consider as well, it don't take long for all of a sudden those boundaries to get real loose and real fluid, and to start capturing a lot more people um, that than you can think of. You know, I, I I just think of like all of the governments, you know, around the world, the UK, Australia, the US, like all the governments talking about these massive rallies for palestinian rights rallies for ceasefire um rallies against the the uh israeli-led genocide you know just think about for example like high up people in the uk government decrying the half million people marching the millions of people marching as all hamas sympathizers you know got a whole lot of Hamas sympathizers all of a sudden all these uh you know and it ain't just uh you know crust punk leftist out there you know if if you've been out on the marches it's just just a lot it's just a lot of normal middle-class families with their kids you know out there marching for Palestinian rights marching for a ceasefire marching against genocide you know all of those people are being painted as Hamas operatives or Hamas sympathizers.
2: I mean, listen, it, it makes them,
1: it makes them a, a legitimate target for Habsara to uh, spit out one day. In that regard,
2: I have some. Uh, yeah, I should I should tweet out to the IDF. I have information about Donald Trump that might make him a power target for you guys. <laughs> um,
0: May Allah awaken the people. And help them to see the evil doings of Israel and the United States.
1: But yeah, no, I think you're right. All the data haps for our needs to, <laughs> yeah. to get out, you know, Trump's name next.
2: Trump Tower. It revealed to us that on the on half of, in one room, in one corner office on the 67th floor, Trump sent out uh, a tweet that said may Allah awaken the people may Allah open the people's (laughs) eyes and awaken them to the evil doings of Israel in the United States we got to take the whole thing down guys I'm sorry
1: fair is fair (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I mean this is uh, you know we don't need to talk about like this is the danger of these systems because yeah. the danger of these systems is already readily apparent. It is clear and present, right? That like you know these systems and you know are causing right. Whether they are causing it directly, they are causing it uh, in, in, in some kind of you know gi- giving cover for it, whatever it might be, right? These systems are already leading to the ma- you know mass assassination, mass destruction, right? But it don't but it doesn't end there, right? If you can't if, if what it takes for, for someone to uh, to relate to this, to empathize, to sympathize, to speak out against, um, to scream their head off about, if what it takes is for you to conceive that one day it might not only affect uh, exotic brown people, or it might not only be some you know sci-fi near future. If what it takes is for you to conceive of how you yourself might get caught up in the system, it don't take a lot of imagination to see how that's not only possible, but increasingly likely, as we see governments act in more and more authoritarian ways, use technology to justify and expand the, the powers that they have, use fascist uh, policies and propaganda to create targets, to call people human animals, as the defenseman, as the Israeli defense minister said after October seventh, quote, we are fighting human animals and we act accordingly. To consider how that broad categorization of human animals is 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 a fluid and dynamic category that can begin to include a lot of people in a lot of different places under a lot of certain circumstances you don't have to think hard and you don't have to think long to understand how these systems may not only come for you one day they are already coming for you they are already coming for people who uh you know all around the world they are already causing and wreaking death and destruction
2: no, you're telling me that the IDF who trains with American police departments might one day export the gospel, which is kind of, you know, if it weren't so grim, it is kind of funny for them to export the gospel to the United States. But, you know, <laughs> that's besides the point, it's dark and grim, actually, right? You're telling me that they, they would export that to America?
1: Oh, man. (laughs) Unprecedented. Surely not something that, uh, uh, you know, journalists like Anthony Lowenstein have written a whole book about. Surely not something that we did a a long episode with them about uh, this whole very lucrative economy of exporting the technologies of apartheid and genocide to the rest of the world. No, no, I can't imagine it, Ed, which is why... uh, (laughs) Wherein I cannot imagine, therein I do not speak. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Fucking hell. Well, I, I think, um, I'm gonna,
2: uh, I'm gonna. I, I Don't think worry, I'm- guys. The next episode will also be depressing. <laughs> 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 uh, well, as long
1: as long as the world keeps beating us down, we have to pass on those beatings to our dear listeners.
2: You know, the negative project continues. You're absolutely right. right, right.
1: Thank you to our dear subscribers. And like I said, uh, this episode will be released very shortly um, after it goes up on the the Patreon feed. So um, I will speak to you, Uh, all of our listeners who are non-subscribers. Please uh, sign up and support the the work that we do um, it really does keep us going and doing these kinds of episodes having these discussions um, and so we we appreciate that support as always um and, and and more importantly go fucking talk to people about this stuff you know help spread help spread some awareness some some outrage um some attention on these things you know that that really need to be I mean, the, this shit is clearly, I think, just just these are these are war crimes. They go against even our um, completely inadequate liberal system of international law. The, these things violate that uh, to such an extreme degree, in such an obvious way, right? Like these are technologies that do not deserve to exist and and indeed should be outlawed, smashed. Um, and, and, and in every way, you know, this, this is, these are weapon. These are weapons of mass destruction, weapons of mass assassination. Um, and as such, you know, they, we need to, we need to talk about it. We need to bring attention to it. We need to fight against it. We need to um, advocate against it, we, whatever it takes, you know, but so with that, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for your support, and we will catch you next time. Later.
2: Adios. Adios.